thank you so much for this time. We pray that you will bless this time for your praise, for your honor, for your glory. May you change and transform our hearts and our lives that we would have ears to hear and hearts that will be willing to be obedient to you. Father, I pray even now that you would move me out of the way and that your Holy Spirit will work to bring forth your word to accomplish your purposes in your people for your glory and for the spread of the gospel. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I wanted to say, first off, thank you again for your love for us as a family and how kind you all have been to us through the years. We, you are really our church family away from California because when we moved here, it was very difficult for us finding a church home. We went to many, many churches in Memphis and had no idea right here in our backyard until a friend of mine told me about this little church called Salem Presbyterian Church. And we were indeed blessed and have been blessed under particularly the ministry of Charles Todd and, and with uh, alongside of his precious bride, uh, Judy, we've been very blessed and uh, thank the Lord so much for the kindness that has been shown to us. And my one complaint was with Charles when he, he took me out for breakfast when I first came here and I said, Charles, I really enjoy uh, everything about Salem. I said, my only complaint is your messages are too short. Because <laughs> I come from a church where <laughs> And that's why this message will probably be broken up into two parts, where the message <laughs> would go one message for about 45 minutes. So, But uh, I do appreciate not only that, but just, uh, David, for you assisting during this time, and particularly Joe McDaniel, the time that we have had the phone and just uh, your ministry and and inviting me here before the sacred desk, and I do not take it for granted, uh, given this opportunity. And for Lisa, I know she's not here, sitting with the bulletin and everyone else. But thank you, and I think believe I would say that on behalf of our entire family, that we do love you all, and you all have been so kind uh, to us as a family. We do thank you. Well, I know that uh, much of our attention this past week has been focused on Russia and the Ukraine. But even amidst this, I don't think that a day goes by on the news where we did not hear about the ongoing COVID crisis. As we have been going through this uh, season of COVID, I know that we have heard several messages on suffering. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news or more discouraging news for that matter. As we work our way through what many are calling 
the new normal. There is always good news amidst all the bad news we hear from the media. And if you listen long enough, you know they are trying to sell us a bill of goods that changes as fast as you can flick to the next channel. First it is, the CDC recommends one shot. No. Now the CDC recommends two shots. No. Now that we have the two shots, the CDC recommends you have a booster shot. No, you need to take two booster shots. Oh no, I meant to say you take, need to take three. Now, and if you just, just took your first shot, you used to have to wait four weeks before you took your second. No, actually the CDC says you need to wait eight weeks before you take your second shot. And on and on it goes. Where does it end? If you weren't sick with COVID after hearing all that you hear on the news, you may think that you actually have COVID just by hearing everything. It's called COVID craziness. I used to be a scientist for a few years. And no, I am not a rocket scientist. But actually, something about this all spells out that it is not all right. So the point is not that COVID is not prevalent, but the preventative measures given. And I'm not here to get into a big debate over COVID and what you believe is right or what you believe is wrong. Listen, I want to be very sensitive to those battling COVID. And we should all take safety precautions to protect ourselves and others. And yes, do I believe that COVID is real? Absolutely. I, like some of you, have lost a loved one to COVID and lost a dear brother in the Lord to COVID. So I'm not making light of COVID. But if you listen to the media day in and day out, we all know that we will all wonder if anything they say concerning COVID is true. For many of us, the whole COVID situation could very well be a trial for us and how we respond and react to it all. Ultimately, as believers, we know that our appointed day of death is in the hands of the Lord. And we can do nothing to change that appointed time. Our time is in his hands, is it not? Yes. So this morning, let us try to focus our attention on how trials help to strengthen us. This morning, and Lord willing, next Lord's Day, we will be looking at the letter called James. Particularly, we will be looking at the first part of James. Let's turn to James chapter 1, if you will. James chapter 1. And starting in verse 1, down through verse 12. James, 
a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and his flower falls off, and the beauty of his appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. James is the author of this book and was very acquainted with our Lord. You know how so? This was his half-brother, the Lord's half-brother. And in fact, he had personally seen the resurrection of Christ. He more than likely wrote this letter to a group of believers who were scattered because of persecution under Herod Agrippa. And you may say, well, who is Herod Agrippa? Just a side note here. You don't know who he is. If you're wondering which Herod this is, and there are many Herods in the Bible. This was the Herod who was, yes, eaten by worms because he would not give glory to God. So you can remember that Herod. James' major focus in this section is that if a, if a person's faith is genuine and real, then it will prove itself during times of trouble. So I've entitled this message, Enduring Trials, Enduring the Trials of Life. We know that it is easy to say that we are a Christian when things are going our way. No bumps in the road. Everything is smooth and easy. What about when the rug is pulled from under you? And the going gets tough. How are you when you are persecuted at home? at school, or in your job. Let's move that up a notch. How is your faith 
when you lose your job? How is your faith when you are in a financial crisis with the loss of all your savings, which I would venture to say that could be the case of many of us right now? What about you when you get the news about a, a terminal illness, which might be you or one of your close members, family members? And personally, I am living that right now. After, after getting the news of one of my siblings who has cancer, and my youngest sibling, who had a major stroke at 35 about a year ago. What about if a good friend or family member is tragically killed? Most of us have already experienced things like that in our lives. If not, keep living. You will. Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, which we have been reading together as a family, fell into the slough of despond, as well as having to go through the valley of the shadow of death to get to the celestial city. He met many other characters along the way, such as Mr. Worldly Wise Man. What a name is that? Worldly wise man. He'd be worldly and be wise. Not possible. And hypocrisy, who meant him no good but only harm. In other words, dear friends, at some point you will encounter trials. When I was in seminary years ago, and two very dear friends who took me in as part of their families when I first moved to California. Which, to be uh, real honest, in and of itself, going to California for the first time is a very strange land. And it was very new to me back then. But California's been very good to me in giving me my beautiful bride. 22 plus years, and three of our children were actually born in California. These friends who I'm talking about both had aspirations of going on to be missionaries in France. One of them had even given all their children French names. That's how purposeful he was in planning to go to be on the mission field in France. Let me tell you, these two friends were closer than any friends that I'd ever seen. Get this, they even went on their honeymoons together. Now that's too close for comfort for me. And that's what you call close friends. They reminded me of David and Jonathan. When you saw one, you would normally see the other one. One of the friends had finished seminary the year that I started and planned to go on to get his PhD in Pennsylvania. And his other close friend had just started seminary with me. 
So because after his first year of seminary, he transferred to Pennsylvania to be with his dear friend. I will never forget, and it's still kind of fresh all those years later, 20-some years later, I will never forget my roommate getting a call late one night saying that both friends had been in a terrible car accident and hit by a drunk driver head on. We got the news later that they had both died. They were both only around 25 years old. And we would all say that that was very tragic and sad. And yes, it was. And how do you find good in all of that? Well, my old pastor said of them, wasn't it kind of the Lord to take them both home together? Wasn't that kind of him? And their wives even remarked and said, what would one have done without the other? So yes, there can be good amid something that seems so tragic. So whenever we face trials, we must make sure that we have the right perspective. When we think of a biblical character who endured trials, which Old Testament biblical character would our minds go to? Who? Job. Passed the test. Job 5.7 says, For man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward. Friends, Job went through some of the worst trials imaginable. He lost his children, his livestock, which was very valuable back then. In essence, he was stripped of all of his material goods. His body was afflicted with painful boils. And the worst thing of all is that in Job 2.9, his very own wife told him to do what? To curse God and die. What a wife. After Job's so-called friends have spoken to him and given him their counsel. God speaks to Job, starting in Job 38 and asks him a series of questions such as, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Have you ever in your life commanded the morning, caused the dawn to know his place? Do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe his neck with a mane? Is it at your command that the eagle mounts up and makes his nest on high? This goes on and on all through chapters 38 and 39. Question after question after question. Then the Lord said to Job, will the fault finder contend with the almighty? Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm and said, now gird up your loins like a man. I will ask you and you instruct me. Will you really annul my judgment? Will you condemn me that you may be justified? Or do you have an arm like God? And can you thunder with a voice like his? And this continues in chapter 40 and 41 and then in chapter 42. And, and it says, then Job answered the Lord and said, 
I know that you can do all things. And that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. Ho asked you, and you instruct me. This is what Job said. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes see you, sees you. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. He knew how great God was and how small and puny he was. So trials test our faith to see how strong it is. These trials tested Job's faith. And would you say that Job passed the test? Yes. Abraham may have had the ultimate test, where in Genesis 22, he was called to offer up his son. And you remember that Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90 when their son of promise, Isaac, was born. Then Abraham was told to take Isaac to a mountain and sacrifice his only son of promise. From a human standpoint, this did not make sense on many fronts. From Isaac would come all of the descendants of Abraham. And human sacrifice was something that was a pagan practice. It was not something that believers did. But nowhere in scripture do we see where Abraham questioned God about this or augured with God about this or complained. He simply obeyed. Such incredible faith. And the writer in Hebrews says in Hebrews 11 that Abraham had such great faith that he believed that if God was going to have him to kill Isaac, that he would be able to raise him from the dead. That is what you call real faith. Did Abraham pass the test? Oh, yes. He did, because the angel said in Genesis 22, 11 to 12, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Truly, I do not think I would have passed that test. I do not. Trials not only test the strength of our faith, but trials also help us not to boast in ourselves. Remember the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 7? He was given what? A thorn in the flesh. To do what? To humble him. So trials not only help to make our faith strong and not to boast in ourselves, but they also help us to have the right perspective on worldly things and show us what we really love and what is most important to us. I know that this has really hit home with many of us recently. We've had to evaluate afresh and anew what is essential. 
such as cars, furniture, and other stuff we may have. And how important are trips that we so-called must take? I know that we have been making many, many trips to the landfill to get rid of lots of stuff. I recently heard a pastor remark, and I'm paraphrasing, that if there's anything that you feel that you cannot do without in this life, you should really reevaluate where you are in your relationship to Christ and what is most important to you. We know Moses had that perspective where in Hebrews 11:26 the writer says, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. So trials strengthen us, help us not to boast in ourselves, help us to have the right perspective on worldly things, and trials can cause us to have a longing for heaven. Paul says in Romans 8:18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Trials also teach us to value what God has blessed us with. The world tells us that we can get in this, we get all we can in this world. And at any cost, then we will so-called be blessed. In other words, the world shouts the mantra, eat, drink, and what? Be merry, for tomorrow we die. It is as if they all, if they say, get all you can get while the getting's good. Faith, on the other hand, tells us to value God's word. Obey it and you will be blessed. Just like it says in the hymn, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Believe it or not, but trials teach us the blessings of obedience. When we obey God's will, even in a trial, we will be blessed. Yes, Christ was whipped, beaten, scorned, reviled, and suffered more than any other person has ever suffered. 1 Peter 2.23, speaking of Jesus, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Paul tells us in Philippians 2, 8-9, speaking of Jesus, the perfect example of responding to trials here, it says, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, so trials put us through suffering, suffering so that we can obey and receive the full blessing of God. Trials also enable us to comfort others who are suffering. Yes, and I said believers should help those who are suffering. I think the Apostle Paul knew a little something about suffering. Having been imprisoned, beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked, in dangers from robbers, having had sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food and in cold exposure. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4 is a passage I often write in cards to believers who are suffering. And here Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our, all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in, in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So we go through trials for the purpose of comforting others with the comfort we have received. Sometimes we say to other believers that little phrase, I understand. We understand. Do you really understand? Have you been through or experienced a similar type of trial? It is great that God allows us to learn by experience so that we can truly instruct and comfort others. The first question to the Westminster Shorter, Westminster Shorter Catechism, which I'm sure we all know, which is, what is the chief end of man? Answer class. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to join forever. One has very well said that if our chief end is to glorify God and if our trials enable us more fully to answer the end of our being, it is well that they should happen to us. Some of the reason for trials is that trials give us endurance and strength. So back to James 1. James 1. Chapter 1. We're looking at, again, I said it, verses 1 to 12, and of course we're not going to get through all of this. Look in verse 2 here. In verse 2. Here James tells believers to do what? Consider it all joy. And some versions say, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So to endure trials, the first thing you have to do is to have an attitude of joy. In the original, the word for consider meant to evaluate or count. Most of us know that we don't normally face trials by rejoicing, unless you are the apostle Paul, that is, who while in prison in Rome in Philippians 4, 4 said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. There he was in prison saying this. I know many of you are familiar with the name Corey Ten Boom. She was a Dutch watchmaker whose family helped many Jewish people to escape from the Nazis during the Holocaust in World War II. Corrie ten Boone, who was tortured, beaten, and starved by the Nazis, had a Christ-like attitude, and in her book, The Hiding Place, said, Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. This does not mean that you go around with a mask on in quarantine saying, isn't it wonderful today that I am stuck in my room for the next 10 days? It is also not so much about a feeling. I must admit, I wrestle with this a bit on how one can consider it all joy when you are going through a trial. The joy is not so much about the feeling but it, as it is about Jesus. And he uses the trial for our benefit to bring him glory. In other words, we must look way beyond the trial and look at the Christ of the cross who suffered more than we can ever begin to think or imagine. A believer has to make a conscious attitude to face the trial with joy. In other words, nothing outside 
can touch your true joy on the inside. Amen? I guess another way to say it would be to say that you welcome a trial in some sense because you know it will draw you closer to Jesus. Let's focus on the word trial for a minute, few minutes. The word trial gives the idea that there is trouble or it can be seen as a word that breaks the pattern of comfort and happiness in someone's life. Some people think that they are having a, a trial when they're having a bad hair day or that it's a trial if they can't have their favorite food, or it's a trial coming to church in the rain, or dealing with their in-laws, or as in our case this morning, trying to find a pair of socks that match. Well, I'm not quite sure those all could be categorized as trials. So would you say that your happiness has been broken in the past week? The verb form of trials mean to put someone or something to the test with the purpose of finding out what that person is really made of. God gives these trials to prove one's faith and to show how real and strong someone's faith really is. Warren Wiersbe said, our values determine our evaluations. If we value comfort more than character, then trials will upset us. If we value the material and physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. If we live only for the present and forget the future, then trials will actually make us B-I-T-T-E-R and not B-E-T-T-E-R. They will make us bitter, not better. I don't know if you have ever thought of it this way, but every trial is a test. And if the believer fails the test, it is no longer a trial, but becomes a temptation. Remember that this is really a way of life. That is why James says in, in verse 2, the four-letter word, when, not if you encounter various trials. It, it could also mean whenever, which speaks of an unplanned occurrence that surrounds you. The fact of the matter is, is that if you live long enough, you will fall into trouble where there seems to be no way out. When James says various trials, he is talking no so, not so much about the number of trials, but about the different kinds of trials we have. Listen, beloved, we all have them. Trouble in our families, do we not? Even though marriage is the grace of life, we have troubles in marriage. From our friends, on our jobs, in school, with our country, it comes in the form of persecution, criticism, illness, death of loved ones, inflation, which we are all experiencing right now at the gas pump and with the food prices, are we not? Personality conflicts and the like. In other words, trouble is a way of life, so none of us escapes them. We experience them. We will continue. Father, we thank you so much for this time in your word. It is quite precious to us. And we pray that you would teach us even during this time and help us to grow 
through these trials to make us more and more like you, Christ. We bless you. We love you. We adore you. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus.